You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Well, good morning. Welcome to the... Thanks for coming to the Gate Church Online. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm the part-time youth pastor here, and I get to share the message with you this morning. So let's just dive right into it. During grade 12, my youth group at the church I always attended had a biking event where we all brought our bikes to the church, and we had something like a scavenger hunt around the town where I grew up in. And so we went all over the town collecting items, taking pictures, whatever it was, and we had a really great time. And I should add, because I was in grade 12, uh, wearing a bike helmet was definitely not the cool thing to do. And so my helmet, which my mom insisted I bring along, sat in my car. And sidebar, my mom always told me as I went out to ride my bike to bring my brain with me. To which I most often replied, well if I leave it in the house it'll be safer mom. Hence her concern for me to wear a helmet. So, after we finished this youth group event, my friends had found a jump close to the church and we are going to go see how much air we could get off this jump because we were cool like that. And the first time I went off, I, I, I did alright. I got a decent amount of air. And so I prepared to go again. And as I was waiting, I distinctly heard a voice saying, go get your helmet on. Being slightly surprised but not shocked, to hear God's voice, because that's who it was, I went and got my helmet on, and then proceeded to go off this jump and totally go bike over brain and wreck myself. I ended up putting my chain ring deep inside my right leg and cracked my bike helmet into two pieces. And so I was glad that I listened to that voice and put my helmet on. A helmet, by definition, is a hard padded protective hat. So it's a brain bucket. It's meant to keep the head and by extension the brain or the mind safe. It can only do that though if it's worn properly and the right helmet is worn in the circumstance that it is called for. For example, if I wore my bike helmet while I was welding, it wouldn't do much good to protect my face and my vision from the very bright welding arc light. And on the other hand, if I wore my welding helmet while I was biking, it wouldn't protect my head at all, and I would have very extremely limited visibility. And so when Paul tells the Ephesian church and us to take up the helmet of salvation, he is telling us to put on a helmet and to put on the right kind of helmet for the task at hand. A helmet that a soldier would wear into battle with the rest of his armor would cover his head and the back of his neck and perhaps the sides of his face as well. And a Roman soldier's helmet, uh, depending on the time period that it was made in, was made from either hardened leather or some sort of metal. It might have had a crest, you've probably seen pictures of it, Uh, made out of horsehair, dyed to a specific color, either for decoration or for identification purposes. And it was probably, the helmet was probably strapped onto the head so that it would stay on during the battle. And I think the important thing 
is that it was designed and created for a specific purpose, to protect the soldier's head. It was a defensive part of armor. Knowing that if your head could get injured or severely wounded during battle would hopefully, hopefully encourage the soldier to keep the helmet on for the full duration of combat. The helmet of salvation is for a specific purpose, to protect the head and mind from the attacks of spiritual warfare and of Satan, to protect us from lies, from misinformation, from doubts, and from any voice that contradicts what the Bible and the Holy Spirit have already told us. So when you think about salvation, what do you think about? I believe that salvation, or the act of being saved, is something that is a a past, a present, and a future reality in our lives. And in addition, all of these three aspects contribute to the protection of the helmet of salvation in our present struggle against the forces of evil. Do you remember the day that you were saved? Was it a lightning bolt experience or or maybe it was just kind of a, a slow, quiet stroll to get to that point? Either way, there's a day when you were dead in your trespasses and sins and were living in the passions of your flesh. And the next moment, when, as it says in Acts 16.31, you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you were saved. We were made alive together with Christ. That's in Ephesians 2 verse 5. We were once alienated and hostile in mind, and Christ reconciled us to himself by his death to present us holy and blameless. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And Jesus saved us, not because of our own actions and deeds done, but according to his own mercy, as it says in Titus 3, 5. In Ephesians 2, Paul writes, we are saved by grace, not works, so we don't have anything to boast about. In the moment of salvation, we turn toward Christ, and in so doing, we turn away from our sin. The Father forgives us and sees us through the lens of Christ's blood, and so we are justified. We are brought back into right relationship with God. We are brought into peace, which was bought for us by the blood of Christ on the cross, as it says in Colossians 1.20. We are received into the family, and the Father clothes us, as he did with the younger son in the parable of the prodigal son, with a robe, a ring, and shoes, as it says in Luke 15.22. In our situation, we are clothed with the Holy Spirit. We are filled to the full measure of God's Spirit. It's in Ephesians 3.19. We are given the Holy Spirit as a helper, a teacher, and as truth. In John 16.13, Jesus tells us of the Spirit that will dwell in us. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak not on his own authority... But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. As we talk about the full armor of God and spiritual warfare, we can be confident 
that at the moment of salvation, we are filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit who speaks truth to us, who fills us with truth and teaches us God's truth to combat the lies of Satan tries to plant in our mind. We are filled with a better, deeper truth. And so that brings us to the present day. We have believed in Christ Jesus. We have repented and we have turned away from our sins. And so Jesus calls out to us, deny yourself and follow me, as he did to the disciples in Luke 9.23. That's what the process of sanctification is. Turning toward Christ and following him. Becoming like him in all aspects of, our, of your life. Striving to be holy, not in your own power, but by the power of God. We all realize that even though we have been forgiven for all of our sins, we, we still mess up, right? We still struggle with our sinful desires and we still find ourselves in the fight. But our present reality is that just as we received Christ, we walk in him, rooted and built up in him. As it says in Colossians 2 verse 6, we walk in Christ, we continue in him, not shifting our faith from the hope that we have in Christ. We press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. We lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and we run with endurance the race that is set out before us with our eyes focused and fixed on Christ the author and perfecter of our faith. So into this present reality, we are being saved. We once were lost and we are now found and we continue to walk toward Christ. We are continually being saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are alive in Christ and we set our minds on things that are above. We put to death what is earthly in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness. We put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. We put on, because God has chosen us, compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. We let the word of Christ dwell richly in us, and we do everything in the name of Jesus. We find ourselves in the place of already being, already having been saved and also still being saved. This is why Paul commands the Philippian church to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's in Philippians 2, 12 and 13. And later on in Philippians, Paul tells the church that he, he tries, he strives to forget what is behind him and strains forward to what is ahead. And so what does that say? It says that salvation is ongoing, that we are continually being sanctified. It is not just a one-time event, but a lifetime of struggles and battles that are only one by God working in us to make us more like Christ. And again, 
As in the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit is continually at work in us. As it says in Romans 8 verse 11, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We do have the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead living in us. His power is constantly at work to give us life. Therefore, we are able, we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is worship. We are not to conform to the world, but instead be transformed by the renewal of our minds. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so the mind is, is where we know things, right? That's where we store knowledge and memories. And in our spiritual fight, Satan will try to get inside our minds and plant doubts and lies in our thoughts. And so just as he spoke to Eve the very first time in the garden, did God actually say that? He will also try to say to us, are you actually saved? Are you really following Jesus? And the question for us is, how can we know that we are headed in the right direction? How can we know that we are following Jesus? And the answer is that we can be assured of our salvation by the fact that God tells us in his word. In 1 John 5 verse 13, it says, I write this letter to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And later on in that same chapter, he again writes, And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. We can know that we are saved because the Holy Spirit gives us understanding and we can know the truth that we are in Christ. The Apostle Peter writes about this too in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11. to 11. For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are following Christ, if we are seeking Christ, we can be sure we have the helmet of salvation on our heads. And with the helmet of salvation on, our minds are protected 
And we can know with certainty that we are saved. We are being sanctified and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. At the moment of salvation, we are justified. We are filled with the Holy Spirit who speaks truth to us. On our journey through life, we are being sanctified. And we can know that if we are following Christ, we have assurance of the future salvation that awaits us. And so let's talk about the future. The part of the story that has not yet happened, but that we can look forward to with confident hope. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 8-10, Paul writes to that church, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, which means alive or dead at his second coming, we might live with him. Paul is talking about a salvation that we hope for. In other words, one that has not yet happened. He is saying that God does not want us to experience his wrath, but instead to be saved and to live with Christ in the future. And so I want to point out here that the hope of salvation that is talked about is is not just wishful thinking. It's not like we are unsure of what is to come and we really, really, really hope to get saved sometime. It's not like me saying that one day I really hope to own a fleet of early 1980s Toyota Hilux trucks. Because that's wishful thinking. I'd, I'd be happy with just one. But our hope of salvation is trusting in the one who gives us salvation. Our hope is assurance that one day we will be with Christ in glory. Our hope rests on the promise that Jesus has gone to prepare us a place and that he will come again to take us to himself, as it says in John 14, 3. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says to take the hope of salvation as a helmet. We wear our hope as a helmet to protect us from doubts and lies that Satan is flinging at us. We use the hope that one day our salvation will be complete to protect our minds against the current struggle we face. If we know that our daily struggle will one day come to an end and that we will be victorious, that we are victorious, it will give us strength to continue to stand firm. When John, when one of the disciples, when he was given a vision of what is to come, as he describes it in the book of Revelation, he describes the new heaven and new earth in Revelation 21. And it says this, When I saw, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall be there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. And so we are given this picture of what it will be like to be past the point of complete salvation. We will be made completely new. I love that. We will be safe. We will be saved. There will be no more need for armor, for swords, for shields, for helmets. We can take that all off. There will be no more sadness or death or decay, and we will be completely and wholly with God. The helmet of salvation is to protect us with the truth and knowledge that we have been saved, that we are being saved, and that we will be saved. Praise God for the truth that the Holy Spirit tells us. Praise him for the journey we are on to make us more like Christ. And praise him for the confidence that we have in the hope of future salvation.